and it needs to work for you. It needs to inspire you. It needs to excite you. And it hopefully should be something that makes you feel like you can work with it and on it, that it becomes a practice rather than a chore. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure, the show for successful people and for those who want to become successful, the only show that reveals the true nature of success. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr., and today I bring you Charlotte Burgess Auburn. I found a kindred soul in Charlotte. The work that she does brings you clarity of action and peace of mind. And for the longtime listeners, you know the definition of a productive pause. It's a short period of focused reflection around specific questions that brings you clarity of action and peace of mind. And that's what this episode's really about. So often we wake up and we go about life without a clear direction, or without a clear understanding of who we are and what we stand for. If you're a leader, it's easy to get stuck on a tough decision. Or if you're a parent, it's sometimes hard to know what the right decision is. If you're a human, you find yourself ruminating sometimes on, on a, a certain tough conversation that you might need to have. Well, not anymore. Charlotte authored the book, You Need a Manifesto, How to Craft Your Convictions and Put Them to Work. And in this episode, she shares some specific steps that will make it easy for you to create your own manifesto. Charlotte teaches classes on the role of self-awareness in creativity and design at the Stanford Design School. Previously, she worked at the MIT Media Laboratory. If you like this kind of concept, I also interviewed one of her coworkers, one of her colleagues there at the Stanford Design School, Bill Burnett. He authored two books. One, he co-authored, I should say, two books, one with Dave Evans. One was titled Designing Your Life, and the second one was titled Designing Your Work Life. And those were episodes 124 and 288. So 124 and 288 really great uh, partner episodes if you're looking for strategies to find clarity of action and peace of mind. All right, without further ado, let's get into my interview with Charlotte Burgess Auburn. Let's just jump right in. What is a manifesto and why do we even need one? So a manifesto is a statement of purpose and a script for action. And the reason why we need one is because if we're not pursuing our life through our own values, we are generally following someone else's. <laughs> and so my prescription for that is to create your own manifesto to help you navigate, especially in this moment where the world is fairly confusing and there's a lot coming at you uh, most of the time. Yeah. So you say it's a statement of purpose. You know, what form does it take? Is it a sentence? Is it a paragraph? Is it a longer document? What in your experience have you seen works as a manifesto? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, the history of the manifesto, like most of the time when I talk about manifestos, the first thing that people talk about is like, is it like the communist manifesto? You know, they, they ask whether it's like that. The history of the manifesto is one that is about strong statements of purpose and also a kind of as a recruitment tool for public and either political or religious movements. Um, so social movements overall, they've always been a kind of strong piece of social movement history. But 
those manifestos in particular are in fact recruitment tools. They're a way to state a public position and to recruit people to come join your camp. And when I was developing this work, I was looking for a way to describe the strength of purpose, the strength of the statements that I felt like people needed to be able to make. I was not super happy about the concept of it as a recruitment tool. (laughs) I think, you know, the, a sort of modern personal manifesto needs to be not a recruitment tool for others, but a recruitment tool, a way to recruit yourself to your own cause. Right. And the strength of those statements of purpose and that script for action is really turned towards you. Right. It's meant to be something that helps you navigate and helps you decide what course of action to take. So I have seen successful personal manifestos that run the gamut from, you know, a tiny laminated card with one sentence on it that goes in somebody's wallet to long statements, long letters, you know, to letters to the self. But I find that in general, for most people, uh, they, tr- they trend towards a series of fairly short statements that are kind of shortcuts for long thoughts. They're a way for people to tap into a conviction that they have or a way of thinking, a methodology or a mindset that they can then encapsulate in this sort of short statement that then helps them access that larger thought or that larger concept when they need it, when they need to be reminded of it, when they need to be encouraged, you know, when they need to be inspired to be their best selves. (laughs) And when you say using this as a recruiting tool almost for yourself, this, the way this lands with me and the way I, you know, reading from your book is because so often, and you even just said it a few minutes ago, we tend to live our lives based on somebody else's values when we follow a path blindly through life that is just kind of put in front of us as opposed to choosing our path. And I mean, my coaching program is called Reveal Your Path, and we do this kind of work where we reveal the path, and then we have ways to help actually help you stay on the path. And this is what you're talking about, I think, is like crystallizing who you are, what you stand for, what's important to you, like doing the work, not just kind of like, you know, coming up with something off the top of your head that's not really going to stick, but actually investing the time and energy into doing this, that will help you make the decisions that you need to make, sometimes hard decisions, to live life the way you really want to live it, a way that is in harmony with who you are and what you want out of your life. Yeah. I mean, I think a manifesto has to be strong enough and a strong enough set of statements to help you do things like take risks that are really important to you. It needs to be a way to help you work your work, stay in the process or in the path that you feel committed to, it hopefully should be something that helps you encourage yourself in moments where you feel like failure is upon you, right? (laughs) Right. And ideally, it's an evolving and developing practice of being in contact with what it is that you believe and how that plays out in your actions. Quick interruption. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to get the notes, quotes, and links in the action plan from this episode. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. 
That's jimharshawjr.com slash action to get your free copy of the action plan. Now back to the show. Yep. So if folks understand that, okay, this makes sense. Maybe I need one of these. How do I go about it? Like, what do you do? Like, do you just sit down and do some Google searches and about a half an hour later, you know, I've got my manifesto? Yeah, Google searches are great, but only in a, there's a moment for them. We can just use AI to create it now, can't we? Like just, uh, hey, chat GBT, go ahead and create my manifesto. I'm so interested in the idea of getting an AI to like create a personal manifesto and see like, uh, what does the AI think that think that we believe, right? I, I just feel like it could reveal so much, both about like what that AI is doing and also about like what you're doing, <laughs> Because really the practice is a practice of self-awareness, right? So even an AI can teach you a little bit about how you feel about yourself, right? And how you feel about where you are and the things you say you believe are the things you actually act on, right? Yeah, you know, honestly, with AI, it's probably, I mean, it's probably a little bit maybe dangerous to, to use it too much or to rely on it too much for something like this. But I have found it to be really useful in crystallizing thoughts into words. Maybe they're kind of jumbled into your head and you just dump it into ChatGBT and it'll spit out, you know, some more crystallized thoughts. It'll help sort of organize your thoughts a little bit. Again, not that I want to go too much in depth on AI here, but I really do feel like it can help. Yeah. No, I, the reason why I'm so excited about it is that the types of workshops that I do with my students are like a tiny version of an AI. So I start out with the premise that you can build your very first manifesto from the manifestos of other people, right? There are some amazing human beings who have lived out there in the world and have learned a lot about this kind of process. They are the old wine that we are putting in new bottles, (laughs) right? And they have written about it. You know, they have left a record for us to learn from them, which is a huge gift. It's just an incredible gift to us, uh, the amount that we learn. Yeah, we all had those quotes that we just love. They're like, you know, some thought that really crystallizes how you feel, or maybe it's a passage in a book, you know, something that maybe from Marcus Aurelius's meditations or something like that. And that's why we read, right? That's why we read these people for inspiration, for encouragement, for a sense of knowledge, right? To find wisdom in the in the words that these folks have said. So essentially what I do for my students is I draw from a packet of manifestos that I've collected over the many years. Most of the ones that I use are design manifestos because that's the field that I come from. And so I have a lot of them and, you know, I love them. And I think they're amazing and they tend to be fairly compact, right? So they fit on a page and I, I throw them on the Xerox machine and I copy them off for a packet for each of my students. And I hand them to them and I say, we're going to make a manifesto today. Like you are going to make your very first manifesto today. And for the first, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes, your job is to read through these manifestos and resonate with them and see what pieces of them really speak to you, really stand out. And then you're going to take a pair of scissors and you're going to cut out that statement, the statement that you get excited about, and you're going to collect it. And what they're doing in that moment is essentially connecting with an intuitive understanding of what their values are just by responding to a variety of these different kinds of statements. And they're exercising a sense of what their priorities are as well, right? So the things that they get excited about by 
collecting things. I then I have them like do a few little exercises to arrange them in different ways to consider different frameworks that they might want to use for presenting their manifesto to either to other people or to themselves, right? To think about like where in your daily life might you need to encounter this kind of information, right? Do you need to see it first thing when you wake up? Does it need to be? I had one student who did an amazing thing where he took all of the pieces of his manifesto and he broke them up into little, into small statements. And then he made them all into like um, emails and he had a random number generator, like pull one email every day and send it to him. So it was the first thing that he saw on his stack every morning. I was like, that is, it's genius, right? For him, it was like exactly the right thing. Cause he was like, the first time I open my email, I'm just like, oh, crushed when I see it. <laughs> you know? You know? And he was like, if this is the first thing I see every morning, like one of these things, then I'm going to like enter the day in the right frame of mind, like in the right spirit and like get in there and go for it. So yeah, so it's really like, I have them essentially create a new manifesto out of old manifestos, which is, you know, similar to what you might be doing when you ask an AI to to arrange something for you so that you can respond to it, right? And it is your ability to assess and respond that is the important part, right? The important part is engaging with that material and having a reaction to it, examining your own reaction and trying to understand what that reveals to you about your own values and how you want to proceed. I love this idea of leveraging what others have said using, you know, like the AI concept that we started talking about, but kind of backing into the process. And my listeners and clients, they know I talk a lot about reducing friction, reducing friction to getting something done, whether it's, you know, putting your running shoes out the night before. So, you know, make it, it makes it easier for you to, to go for your workout or go for your run in the morning or laying out your workout clothes or or maybe putting the the book that you want to read right next to your bed, you know, or finding a, you know, taking five extra minutes to find a book that's really interesting for you so that you reduce the friction to reading or running or doing whatever that thing is for you. But this is another way to reduce friction to creating a manifesto, which is, you know, this is like a big daunting process. But if you look at the books that are on your shelf and you open them up and you flip through them and you find the places where you've written in the corners or highlighted areas, like capture that stuff. You know, you've already begun doing this, but you know, you take the scissors and, and cut it out. Or if you have a, a eBooks, you know, areas you, you may have highlighted, like capture that stuff, just start capturing it. And I, I know Charlotte from reading your book that this is not something you do in one sitting. This is something that you start curating. You curate this information. A lot of listeners of this podcast right now are people who have already done this, right? They have books on their bookshelf. They have quotes that they love, and maybe they've done some journaling. Like you've, you've already started this process. Now start to bring this all into one place so you don't have to create it all from scratch. So anyway, I just love that concept of reducing the friction. Question for you, Charlotte. When I think about myself, I have a lot of different roles. I am a husband. I am a father. I am a, you know, every role in my family, I'm a, you know, a brother and I'm a son. And then beyond that, you know, I'm a community member, I'm a business owner, I'm a leader, I'm a podcast host. Like, can you, not that you have to identify 15 different roles for your life, but have you seen people or do you suggest creating different manifestos for different areas of your life? Like, can I have a, a dad manifesto and a husband manifesto and a business owner manifesto? Yeah. I mean, I, I think 
people do in some ways they do that already. I feel like just by owning the idea that you have a variety of different roles, you're already creating a kind of sense of like, here's how I want to show up in this context. Here's how I want to show up in that context. There's probably a few core underlying values that you know show up in everything that you do, that you're not willing to part with (laughs) in any sphere, (laughs) right? But there may be certain kinds of things that you bring to bear in moments that are like really within that role, right? So like an example of that is I'm a mom. I have a pretty long commute down to Stanford from San Francisco. And it is like more expedient for me to just like get in the car and drive down to Stanford than it is to take my kids to school, even though one of them is on my way. So sometimes I will do that and I will like drive and drop. It's really important to me to get time with them, even if it's time in the car going to school. So actually the car ride is my moment, you know, and the sense of like, in my world, I was like, oh, actually, like, that's the quantity, like, I'm not going to let go of the, like, the perfect is the enemy of the good, right? Like, that's what that makes me like, that statement makes me think of that of like, you know, even if the only time I really get is like driving to school, like, it's still good. It's good. I can have a good conversation in the car, you know, there are moments where pieces of my own manifesto show up in a certain role that I take on and then they can show up and for me they show up in a lot of different places I tend to try not to compartmentalize too much because if I do that I just it just breaks after after a minute why did you get into this how did you get into this where did this spark start for you Charlotte yeah so like many people I think I've always been really interested in collecting quotes and things like that like I've done that since I was a small kid but Like many people, I think I didn't really start on this kind of concept in earnest until I ran into some pretty difficult moments in my life that were hard to navigate. I lost a couple members of my family really close to one, really close in time to one another in early 1999-2000. And I struggled a lot after that Mm. to try and kind of recover my equilibrium and a sense of purpose and kind of navigation, like where I was going. It was a pretty odd time in the world anyway, as well. Um, And when I came to Stanford, that was when I finally kind of like, I got a lot of wisdom, like in those moments from reading books, and not just on kind of like grief counseling type books, but just like books that were about like, how to navigate in your life, how to like move forward. A lot of stuff that has to do with Buddhist philosophy, which is very much like kind of like finding that equilibrium. And then when I got to Stanford, I started working with graduate students at Stanford who were people who have deliberately decided to make a transition in their life. Like many people, for many people, a lot of those moments of transition are moments they didn't ask for, right? <laughs> but for graduate students in particular, those moments of transition are one they were seeking, right? They were going after it. And yet they were also still experiencing a sense of really a sense of being highly destabilized and ungrounded and kind of searching and seeking, trying to understand 
where they were going, they were really anxious about it, honestly. Like there was a lot of anxiety about like, where am I going? Where's my field going? What am I, you know, what's going to happen? And how do I figure out how to get there in a way that makes sense? That's how I started these kinds of little exercises. I started pulling together little exercises that help people to just like identify what uh, some of their values by looking at the things that they're currently doing, right? Like try to, uh, you said reduce friction, but I, I use the, I use the term lower the bar. It's just like, let's just get the bar as low as possible to like step over to start looking at, you know, what are you, what do, what are you doing today? Like, what are your plans today? What are your plans for this weekend? Like, do you have a goal for this year that you've already stated for yourself? Can we look at those things, like all the near term things and to help you understand why are you doing that? And then if, when you look behind the why of what you're doing, you're going to reveal some sense of like what you value in life, right? Like you're making decisions every day based on your values, but if you don't have them out in front of you, you can't really grapple with them or change them. Right. So really the exercises and the process that I work with with students is really just about like getting the stuff that's in your head out onto paper so that you can manipulate it somewhat intentionally and try to create structures that help you change your behaviors. You're never going to be successful at that, like all the time. (laughs) Right. Right? No one is. Right. But by making something physical that's like out in front of you that you can manipulate and work with that you can use to remind yourself on a frequent basis. It's like, it's a a way to kind of create new habits of awareness and habits of behavior. So to help the listeners kind of put a bow on this process of creating a manifesto, like as much as we can in a, in a short podcast episode, you know, so we start by collecting words that other people have said, I mean, walk us through that process just again at at a high level, but I, you know, I do encourage everybody to buy the book. It's a great read. Uh, it's an easy read, but can you walk us through that? Yeah. I mean, this is where the Google search comes in, right? So like a great Google search for the kinds of, you know, looking at your bookshelf, start by looking at your bookshelf and then uh, finding places either online or in the library or elsewhere where you can find folks whose words inspire you, right? So manifestos, writings from folks whose whose words inspire you, and then finding a way to make those physical. I love for folks to be able to make them physical. So print them out, you know, write them out, that kind of thing so that they can, you can actually manipulate them in some way physically. You can, you can move them around. And then taking the time to experiment with a variety of different formats. So like how you want those statements to be organized for yourself, right? Is it a top 10 list? Is it a, you know, (laughs) right? Is it uh, a word, a giant word cloud? So these are different versions of a manifesto? Different frameworks for a manifesto. And then I also love it when people take the time to really consider what their format is going to be. So the example of a student who sent himself an email, you know, a random email every morning is like, that's an amazing format, like so, so specific for him, right? He designed it just for himself, right? Right. Whereas something like a newspaper headline, kind of a front page of the newspaper is something a little bit less you know, kind of super specific, but it might be the perfect thing. Like the thing that you, you know, you need. It's like my personal newspaper I need to read every morning, you know, right? People, you know, have a long time. They've like written things on their bathroom mirrors, right? So like where they go in and they like, you know, 
you're looking at yourself, but you're also like trying to feed yourself some wisdom and information at the same time. I love manifestos that are like beautiful printmaking. My art background is in printmaking. And so I collect a lot of these kinds of things. So that kind of, you know, it's both considering both the framework, the structure of the thing that you're making and the way in which you will consume it, whether it's something that is text, something that is audio, something that is audiovisual, right? (laughs) How do you need to hear it? Charlotte, that's so important for people to understand. Like you can own this. Like it's okay to play with this and try different formats. And it, you know, it just really helps to hear these different ideas, Charlotte, because it helps people go, oh, okay, like I know I can really dream about this. I can be creative. Maybe it can be a mind map, or maybe it's a word cloud, or it's an audio, or it's a video, or it can be a piece of paper that lays on my desk, or it's an email that gets dripped to me every morning. Yeah, I think they're like random post-its on your computer, right? Like, you know, like that kind of thing. It, but it, the key is really like what's going to work for you that is intentional. The criteria are that it, it needs to be intentional and it needs to be a place where you are, right? So like you can't, don't make something that doesn't show up where you are, right? <laughs> right? You need to make something that's going to show up where you are. And it needs to work for you. It needs to inspire you. It needs to excite you, right? And it hopefully should be something that makes you feel like you can work with it and on it, that it becomes a practice rather than a chore, right? Like it's like a a helpful practice for you. I talked to somebody a week ago, a journalist, and she makes a manifesto every year on the night before her birthday. She takes herself out to dinner. And she writes a manifesto. She like goes to a really nice restaurant and like takes herself out to dinner, brings her notebook and like writes the manifesto for the year on that night. It's like a ritual for her. I was like, what a great idea. Love that. Yeah. So like all year long, she's like holding on to things for the manifesto, you know, right. So that she can like have that moment. It's a really neat, a really neat idea. And so now we know the process for making this perfect and set in stone and it's never going to change, right? (laughs) No, (laughs) no, no. I mean, I really, I just don't think that's the way that humans work. You know, we are constantly changing and our lives are constantly changing. And so I, I feel like if, if you believe the same exact thing that you believed 10 years ago, like you're, you're probably not growing enough or you're just delusional, you know, right? <laughs> right? And so like ideally a good personal manifesto will grow along with you and you will have a level of comfort with testing it and acknowledging when it's not right or when something has challenged it to the extent that you, you need to make changes. I so hope, you know, that I believe different things in 2033 than I did in 2023. And I think, you know, your focus on failure, right, like comes into that, right? We don't really know whether or not we're right about something until we're wrong. (laughs) So failing is the thing that helps us learn that. But I hope that the more grounded you feel in your own values, like the stronger your manifesto is, the better you will be at understanding what failure is bringing you, right? Like what lessons it's bringing you, what changes you might need to make, what apologies you might need to go (laughs) deliver, you know, right? I think it really just helps you be a grown up, a good grown up. 
we understand now that a manifesto is always in prototype form, you know, to use design language, you know, it's, it's a, always a prototype. We're always testing and improving and tweaking and adjusting it as we grow and as we learn new things and have new experiences in our lives. So this is something that's not going to prevent us from failure. It's not going to insulate us from failure. So how does it help us? How does it help us in relation to the concept of failure and success through failure? I think the more important piece, even than the manifesto itself, is the practice of it, the practice of creating it or, and the practice of revising it and the practice of engaging with it, because the that practice is a practice of reconnecting with your values and readjusting your behavior based on them. And the manifesto is a, it's a tool to help you do that. But it, it's not the only tool that could help you do that, right? If you find that a different kind of practice is going to kind of really bring you to that space, then that's the one to go for. I just, I find that this is an incredibly useful and easy entry point for folks to begin that practice. The thing you need to have when you encounter failure is good failure muscles, right? Good resiliency muscles. And you, you don't get that unless you practice, right? So like the thing about practicing is it makes you stronger, right? It makes you better at what you're doing, right? Hopefully this is something that then that is helping you build your muscles so that when you encounter the moment where you are challenged or where you most need to make a decision under duress or you need to stand up for yourself or for others, that you feel capable of doing it because you have practiced it. There's a lot of strength that comes with this kind of clarity of action and peace of mind. And for the listener, when you do this kind of work, you have an understanding of who you are, what you stand for. You can face failure with a strength that you didn't have before and wouldn't have otherwise, because failure doesn't change who you are or what you stand for. It's just an experience. And you know, when you experience failure and you have this clarity through this kind of manifesto, it helps you get up faster, you know, and help you, helps you get up one more time every time. And that failure it may change your manifesto, right? It may help you adapt that and learn something and grow from that. And this is life. And this is some of the most important work that I think you will ever do in your life. Charlotte, this is incredible. How can people find you, follow you, buy the book, et cetera? Well, the book is available anywhere the books are sold, as they say. But if you want to look up the work that I do and the work that the D-School does, our website is dschool.stanford.edu. And I'm not on a lot of social media because that's not my general game, but you can find me on Instagram. Uh, CB Auburn is my handle. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your wisdom. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you want to apply these principles into your life, let's talk. You can see the limited spaces that are open on my calendar at jimharshawjr.com slash apply, where you can sign up for a free one-time coaching call directly with me. And don't forget to grab your action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. And lastly, iTunes tends to suggest podcasts with more ratings and reviews more often. You would totally make my day if you give me a rating and review. Those go a long way in helping me grow the podcast audience. Just open up your podcast app if you have an iPhone, do a search for success through failure, select it, and then scroll the whole way to the bottom where you can leave the podcast a rating and a review. 
Now, I hope this isn't just another podcast episode for you. I hope you take action on what you learned here today. Good luck and thanks for listening.